Welcome to On the Table, a podcast about board games, card games, and tabletop war games. So welcome back to On the Table Gaming. I'm Chase. And I'm Josh. And today we're joined with and today we're joined with Ash Barker of Gorilla Miniatures Games. And uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Hey, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. So uh, if, if people don't know you, you are you're probably the creator of some of the best uh, wargaming YouTube video content uh, online. And so, you know, I wanted to start off with, you know, asking a little few, a few questions about the channel before we get into uh, Song of Ice and Fire. Uh, specifically, you know, so what's your gaming background and, and how did you get into making uh, YouTube videos? Uh, it's all kind of a happy accident. Um, I started wargaming in 1988. Uh, I just, yeah, man, no, I know. <laughs> I've been wargaming for longer than a lot of the people watch my videos have been alive so it's uh it's it's been it's been a long weird road um i discovered like miniatures actually in the back of uh you i don't know if you guys remember these but there was these weird choose your adventure novels uh, with the lime green spines called fighting fantasy and they were <laughs> they were written by these two guys named ian livingston and steve jackson who went on to found a small company called games workshop Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had, uh, they had like a pen and paper RPG version of their choose your adventure books. Um, and they started collaborating with this guy named Brian Ansel, uh, who had a company called Citadel miniatures and that's how Warhammer got started. And I discovered Citadel miniatures in the back of one of these books. Um, I discovered these books when I got, I got like a really bad detention <laughs> <laughs> and I, I needed to kill like a month. I had like a I had like a month of detention. It was a bad. It's a very it's a very long story. But basically, in like a freezing cold Canadian winter, I was sentenced to like sit next to a flagpole every recess <laughs> for like a month. And so I I found these books in the library, and it was awesome because I mean it's the '80s, right? And this is basically the early dawn of like pixel video games. And I'm basically doing like a little video game in my hands here with this book. Um, yeah. And that's how I discovered miniatures. I started painting models uh, badly with like paints that were totally. Like I was like trying to cut like testers enamel paints with water, and it was like my brush. <laughs> oh, like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, and like you know, you, you get those kids like model paint brushes where like the brush is just like, a toothbrush. Like there's no oh, way. Yeah. You can actually... right. And I'm trying to paint like one inch tall miniatures, but it's just garbage. Um, <laughs> but I went on uh, just over the years. That was just kind of my off and on hobby, and like a lot of guys, I uh, <clears throat> I discovered other things, and I discovered beer and girls and skateboarding and stuff, and I would like lapse in and out. But it was just kind of my constant. In the background hobby, like paint toy soldiers and, and play miniature games. Um, and then when I was in art school in Toronto, I got a part-time job um, at the local games workshop in Toronto. And uh, that turned into like a store manager, like just over time, like, you know, as you're, you're poor and you're a student, that turned into like a manager's position. And then I was a, a area manager and a regional manager and then a national manager. And then um, for about four years, I was the North American retail sales director for workshop until about 2014. Um, and then I came back to Canada cause I had my, my first kids and the travel schedule wasn't really driving anymore with my, <laughs> with my having a new baby. Um, <laughs> and I was living in Memphis, Tennessee at the time. And I came back to, to Canada, uh, to the Niagara region and landed here and I've been wargaming pretty much the entire time. So I spent 14 years at workshop, um, playing like various miniature games because <clears throat> it's funny when you work in miniature wargaming. Um, you tend to collect your hobby becomes collecting other miniature games, right? Because <laughs> like the, the miniature games, like the company you're working for is like is like your work company. You know what I mean? Like right, right. And then you, and then you have like your side gal, uh, <laughs> to, like keep things interesting. And so I, I just ended up playing tons of different miniature games. Um, and I've wrote a, I've written a few too actually, and I've I've got a, a one already that's been published by Osprey, and a couple more that are that are on the way. I didn't know uh, that. What 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 yeah, game? Awesome. Uh, what what's your game here? I uh, Osprey Games. Um, they have a zombie survival game that I wrote this year called Last Days, 
and it's available on on Osprey's website right now. Oh man, I have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that was my first game. Um, I wrote that like in 2009, just for me and my buddies, and then it got published this year. Because I happen, it's funny because again, it's a happy coincidence. I just I happened to play it online. A friend of mine who had played it with me before wanted to play some games, and so we recorded them just for fun. And then there was some interest, and then it got into a, it got published. So, uh, but the the whole YouTube thing happened when I moved back to uh, to Canada from the U.S. And I was looking for people that were playing Infinity. So I was playing Infinity Miniatures at the time. Oh, and there, yeah. was a, there was a Facebook ad um, for Matthew at Mini Wargaming saying we're looking for people to come play Infinity. I had no idea who these guys were. Because um, I don't, <clears throat> I do so much like real world Wargaming. That, mm-hmm. like, the, the, it's funny. There's a real disconnect, I think, between the miniature Wargaming industry and, and the online world of gaming for... <laughs> probably like 15 years sure and the, re- and the reason for that is a lot of people who take an interest in something online it's because they can't do it a lot in real life mm-hmm. right right so right. like if you like if you like mountain climbing you know what i mean if you like 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 competitive like cycling or mountain biking but you can't do it all the time because you have an office job because yep. you're, you're traveling or whatever you watch youtube videos about it or like all that stuff and like i the only exposure i really had to that was i, lo- I love backpacking but i was you know i was, a, I was on airplanes like three times a week and I didn't have the ability to really go backpacking. So I'd, I'd read magazines and watch movies about it. So I had no idea that there was this really like subculture of people doing miniature wargaming and then having other people like vicariously enjoy it. And so I, I go to play this Infinity game at Mini Wargaming with Matthew and discovered this whole thing exists. <laughs> and I was there for about eight months. Um, and I quit uh, around the time that my um, son was born. Because uh, I was having another kid, and my wife and I basically had to figure out how that was going to balance, right? Because my, my daughter wasn't in school yet, and we had child number two on the way. Uh, and so I really enjoyed making videos. So I did a little crowdfund after I left there to, to just get a camera. Um, and that went like, that went a little crazy. Uh, and I ended up actually starting a studio because it was like, I asked for like four grand to get a camera. I ended up with like $12,000. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and, 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 an inbox, and an inbox being like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I was like, ah. so, yeah, <laughs> my, my, my daughter was confused as I was spooning her, her, uh, her rice cereal. And I got very sweaty and nervous. Oh. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then you're just like, I'm just going to make one of the best uh, <laughs> miniature gaming web uh, YouTube channels there is. <laughs> I, I guess. Well, I mean, the nice thing is like, Fair enough. <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it, the nuts and bolts of like making videos actually isn't very hard. Um, but the actual nuts and bolts of like creating everything that goes into it, like the tables and the terrain and the models and stuff. That's more the thing that I, I guess I was more uniquely qualified for. You know what I mean? Than the uh, making videos. Anybody can learn how to make a video. Right. So like, That's what I'm trying to learn right now, actually. <laughs> that's how I got like started. Well, that's it, right? Like make, make a lot of the software and stuff. Like we live in an age where, if you want to do some some pretty amazing things, it's not very hard anymore. Uh, a lot of the magic's been taken out of it. Like we're you, you, we're not sitting in a basement with eight millimeter celluloid film, like splicing right. it with tape. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like do exactly. our cuts. I'm just dragging and dropping clips in Final Cut Pro. You know, like just just adding added. Like I dra- I literally can just drag and drop anything. It's just a, it's amazing to use program. I mean, it's the um, hardest thing about it having to memorize like 400 different game systems at once. That was, that was I, I came to the job with that. Like that was, oh, yeah. you, have, you, have, you have to remember, I've been playing games for 30 years. So like, yeah, the, the hard part for me usually in remembering rules is remembering what edition of a game I'm playing. Right. <laughs> like, I'm if you sure, watch me, yeah. people complain about 40K, but they don't complain necessarily because I get rules wrong. 
they, they'll complain because like I'm playing rules from like four years ago. Like, oh, that's not how that works anymore. <laughs> it's like, oh, you're experiencing yeah. multiple realities at the same time. I said, I'm like I'm like one of the I'm like one of the Doctor Who doctors. Like I don't know what, <laughs> what life cycle I'm on. <laughs> like what what iteration is this? Which one am I? Am I the one with the stupid hair? Am I the one with the, the big glasses? I can't remember anymore. <laughs> and I talk like Carter Petersman. I don't know why. Oh man, yeah. that's yeah. hilarious. Well, but before we get into some other uh, questions, you know, just to jump in quick is uh, when you're filming your your battle reports, what do you use? Are you just holding the camera in your hand? Because you have these great, you know, you're playing essentially, you know, one handed. And I can see the uh, <laughs> the camera panning. Is that do you have it on a gimbal that's or a something? Are you- no, no, no. That's just a skill. That's that's amazing. I have, I have, I have a lot of I have a lot of. Well, it's pl- playing left handed is definitely a skill. Uh, <laughs> I thought maybe you were left handed and you're like, aha. No, 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 no. My left hand is my stupid hand. Um, but uh, it's, it's, re- it's really just more a matter of it's on. I, I mean, people ask me a lot, <clears throat> a lot actually what kind of equipment I use because they'll say they're starting a YouTube channel and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I have yeah. at this point, I'm about three and a half years in and I have a lot of very good equipment that I've accumulated over that time and reinvested, you know, the channel basically into, into acquiring better and better equipment. Um, but you can get, I mean, 80% of the results I get filming, you can get through filming the right way as mm-hmm. opposed to trying to just buy better equipment to do it for you. Cause really the difference between like a $400 camera and a $4,000 camera is the size of its sensor. Mm-hmm. And that's how, how it handles like waving it around really. And like it's right. anti-shake and stuff like that. The technology right. is better, but if you line up a shot properly, and you do a lot of your, your editing in cameras as opposed to trying to do editing afterwards, just to wave mm-hmm. the camera around everywhere. You, like you're going to make functionally identical videos to, to what I'm making. You know what I mean? A, a, lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of what makes my, my camera look really good and my shots look really good is I'm in a really well-lit studio environment. So I've, right. I, have, I have great studio lighting. You know, I'm in a big space with, with good sound dampening. Um, and I've just gotten really good at kind of just lining up my shots and stuff and and like 90 percent of my actual editing is just done in camera so i'm not doing when i say in camera it means stopping and starting the camera and taking right. like 500 clips as opposed to just doing like one long continuous thing gotcha. and then trying to go back and edit it later on so you can spend six right. hours editing like you know a four-hour roll of video or you can edit in camera as you do it and 15 minutes out of the video because you're just trying transitions in and mm. it's just stuff like that that you're you kind of learn as you go and I had the advantage of, of soaking up tons of resume mini war gaming because this guy's been doing it for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Right? They were really the first people to put battle reports online. Um, and, and then just sort of taking that and just applying like my own style and my own, my own trial and error and learning and, and, and adding new equipment, doing what I do. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's all. That's all. Oh, that's all. Okay. That's, that's all it is. Just be good. Yeah. Uh, get good. <laughs> like, <laughs> So, uh, you know, what would you say besides, we'll get to a Song of Ice and Fire here, but besides the Song of Ice and Fire, um, what would you say is your, your favorite game that you've played, I, maybe recently? I'll be honest, oh. they all do different things for me, right? Like, a game, like games are so, so... So all miniature wargaming basically started uh, as a collision between history and an imaginary world. Right, so you you got this collision between people trying to trying to accurately recreate a historic battle when you get to like the historic wargaming side through through Dungeons and Dragons and imaginary adventures, and they collide somewhere in the, the late seventies and become what we know now as popular miniature wargaming. Right, like yeah, those two camps were were not the same until that point. Um, and and what's happened, I think, in the last twenty years, fifteen years, is that online gaming 
is now colliding with that previous thing. And, and so what's happening is games are adapting to be more like online games. So I'm, I'm right. talking about like the, <clears throat> the, the, um, the, you know, the, the, the mass multiplayer, like RPGs, right. the first person sure. shooters, the MOBAs, like it's, it just culturally moves in different directions because even miniature wargaming today is so different than it was 15 years ago. And you have these like bite-sized games and they actually, they follow the customers too, right? Cause, um, <laughs> I'm a good example of the life cycle of a war gamer. Cause when you start off, you're like 16, you got no money, you know, <laughs> you have, you have in, infinite free time. Right. So like you, you've, you'll take the same miniature and you'll strip and repaint like seven times until you're happy with it. Mm-hmm. And then you reach that point, in like your, your early twenties, we got a job now, but you still have like no responsibility. So you kind of have infinite free time and infinite money and you just buy a new army every week and like, you know, bin or like, <laughs> whatever. And that's like, you can literally see at the gaming club, there's guys that are like that. They'll start the new army every week and then throw it away. And then you end up being, you know, old <laughs> and you have, and you have, you still have pretty like, cause your fun money doesn't really change. I find as you get older, you know, you still have more responsibilities, but it's actually your time that starts to go down. Right. So the, the amount of time between, uh, you starting a project and then enjoying the project or getting some satisfaction from it needs to get shorter. And that's, I think that's where... That's a that's great where, way of putting it. Well, that's where Song of Ice and Fire actually we can even... Oh, let's just do this. Let's dovetail it in. Let's make it perfect and seamless. Uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's passing a lot of Christmas morning tests because I, and I was talking to a retailer about this the other day, actually, because he was talking about bringing it in. And I said, well, you know, I don't know what the future is. licensed product. That means that things are always in the air. But it right. does a really good job of passing that Christmas morning test where if you're a retailer and you sell that game to somebody, you can be playing that game five minutes later. You can pull it out of the box and be playing. And I think I actually saw you guys write an article about that from your, your experience at PAX where there was guys that had bought an army, played in the beginning yeah. of the tournament, and then showed up the next day yeah. and played. Yeah. And I think there's, yeah. some, there's something really powerful about a product. And you see these other products like that, like... Um, Shadespire by GW or yes, Aristea yeah. by Corvus Belly, all these products, even Monster Apocalypse by um, by Privateer Press, where all these products are there's a there's a much shortened amount of time between I just got this thing and I'm enjoying I'm fun with this thing. Whether it's even just like starting to paint it, you know what I mean? Like I'm really enjoying Science the Fire because I would pay monkeys to build miniatures for me because I hate after 30 years. That's the thing I don't like the most. I hate building <laughs> miniatures. I you love to paint anything. Yeah, exactly. I just scrape a couple of mold lines and prime them and airbrush them and I'm, I'm painting, you know? So like, yeah, yeah. even for me who like, I enjoy the kind of like the presentation of, I'm like a romantic, I like the presentation of a, of a game more than anything else. Oh, that's, I'm in that <laughs> camp too. <laughs> I, I, well, for, for, even for me, there's, there's something in that box for me, um, where it speeds up my enjoyment of what I'm doing. And so, yeah, so to say I have a favorite game, just to, to bring this all back, uh, to make a, a short story long, you've got, <sighs> you've got so many games feeding so many different different niches in the market right now with like fast to play competitive games like shade spire or even you know there's there's a there's a good chance that that's what song of ice and fire will turn into um to these like massive hobby games where you know you got a game like infinity where 90 percent of what you're doing when you're preparing to play is actually building the table because you need so much right. to play it you these yeah. big these big these big like like um you know dense city environments or dense dense environments to play in um you really are, you're spoiled for choice, right? And then you've got great games like Frostgrave um, from Osprey, where it's a great narrative. It's just, it's a little D&D adventure every time you play it. Like, I don't, I don't have a favorite game because I'm just so, whatever I feel like playing that week, I'm, I've got an option right now that I can go play it. So it's, are you sure um, it's not, are you sure it's not Hero Quest? Is that? 
Well, no, here goes it's a terrible. <laughs> it's not a good game. <laughs> Like you, you cap out after about six games. We just really is enjoy. it the rolling move that bugs. When I was a kid, though, I played. I played way more than six games of that when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, of, course, of course, because you did it wrong every single time. Exactly, and you and you, and you, and you cheated mercilessly. Probably, oh yeah, to not die. Yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, it's it, 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 playing a game like that. Playing old games like Hero Quest is actually more about capturing the feeling of what it was like to be eight years old than it is playing yeah. the game. You know what I mean? Like I, the, the thing I enjoyed the most about that, that Hero Quest project that we did was actually going back to miniatures that I painted like. 27 years ago and started all the pin off them and then like finally doing them justice you know what i mean like that chaos warrior right f- feeling like feeling like i could finally actually well and then ironically looking at the paint jobs i did in the miniatures and then looking at the box and be like i painted these better than the guys i painted them for the box it's like, it's like 30 years later and, yeah. and, and like we can buy brushes that aren't just hairy sticks you know like right it's right a, it's a we're in a different time and there's just different capabilities out there. So yeah, right. no, I, I wouldn't say I can, I, I can really choose, man, because it's just the market's so full of... It, it, we live in like a world of tapas where you can just have any appetizer you want all the time. Yeah. So yeah. What a great time that, to be alive, huh? <laughs> I think that's well, one of the things I really like about the, the, the skirmish level games too is that it's a, the buy-in's much lower, so you can kind of get a little bit of everything. Like that's one of the reasons I liked uh, Mordheim back in the day was like, right. you know, being able to buy like a warband was like really cheap for a guy who was like, you know, 12 years old at the time. Yeah. I had a friend actually said that he got back into miniature wargaming after like a long hiatus. And he was like, I could build one big mass combat army or I could try like seven little games. And so he just yeah. went to his local hobby shop and was like, so what are the games that like do like 10, 12 models? And he just bought like all of them in one day. <laughs> he, just, he, spent, like, he spent like six months for like every month he would just learn a new game. And yeah. like while while he was prepping the next one, he'd be playing that game and just like he always had a game he had to go to and he just had a great time. And he never stressed about getting stuff done. You know, like you can add a squad to like a big game, or you can paint a whole army. <laughs> and it's like, what's the choice? Well, I'll just I'll try your own yeah. instead. Man, I just hearing you talk about uh, as a kid, uh, you know, GW games and things like that. This is just such resonates so much with me. I remember uh, you know, sitting on the playground looking at my old like tattered uh, rogue trader book. And then it was like right when second edition for Warhammer 40k came out and it was like, oh my gosh, like, like getting into getting my first models. I probably spent more time like staring at the books and like looking at the art than I did like actually playing at that age. Oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> for yeah. sure. I mean, well, it was so different at the time too. You, you almost felt a little, I remember reading like those books in particular, you almost felt a little punk rock reading them because the, the art yes. was and it was really yeah. dark. And like, I remember getting my copy of the Realms of Chaos book. And there's a parental oh. advisory on the cover. Right? Yeah. It's, like, it's like, this may not be suitable for all children. My mom's like, should we buy you this? And I'm like, fuck <laughs> off. And look what said, happened. You said you'll buy me any books that I want. It's <laughs> like, yeah, come my on. parents are like, you're reading. Yeah. 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 You bought me like 800 Stephen King books. I'm literate. Like, I'm functional. I can do math. Just give me this book. It's fine. Oh, my, my SAT <laughs> vocabulary scores were so high. Thank you, the Nurgle gods and all the, the weird pestilence <laughs> things I learned, all those terms. That's um, it. <laughs> But yeah, so um, you know, how how did you hear about a song of ice and fire then? Um, I was actually at uh, I was at um, the Kumi Expo when it got announced. I was there oh, covering wow. yeah, I was there covering a Dark Age Immortals tournament, and this was in 2017, I think. And they were just they they just I think got their proofs and stuff, and they were demoing it. Yeah, so you're, oh, man. You're, you're on the ground floor. Oh, man, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, saw it, saw it, saw it there, and it was looked really cool and. Uh, I, I don't do crowdfunds though. Like I just, I have no interest in, in, in right. writing for things. And honestly, <laughs> I, um, what I do because of my background in the industry, I know that what I do, just even raising the profile of something small and niche 
is actually way more powerful for a business when it's at the retail level mm-hmm. because it looks real, right? Like right. as soon as you see people playing something in real life, it's no longer just this thing on the internet. Right. And, and that's a, if something's not at the retail point yet, and I make people excited about it. They can't spend money. So right. Yeah. What's yeah. the point? And I get approached by a lot of small companies saying like, Hey, can you help us out? We're going to do a crowdfund, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not any good to you until you're at retail. Like, good luck with your crowdfunding, good luck with all your prospective stuff. But one, I don't want to risk my viewers' money on something that might not happen. And two, you know, I, this doesn't really do anything for you at, at, the, at that level. I can raise right. a bunch of profile of what you have, but that doesn't make you a real boy. At some point, every game has to, <laughs> has to leave the internet and go sit on a shelf somewhere. Yeah. Or there's, there's a huge demographic of potential customers that don't believe it exists. Well, it definitely felt like when you guys started posting up some of the battle reports that I was like, okay, it feels like it's getting some traction now because you've got these videos that are getting, you know, tens of thousands of views that, that are for this game that you can buy now. And it's like, you know, if they like it rather than, you know, you can back it or if you didn't back it, you got to wait eight months. You know, now it's now it's here and you can actually yeah. buy it and play it. Yeah, yeah. It's sitting on someone's shelf and you see people playing it. I think the most, honestly, the most powerful thing that convinces people to play a game is actually watching walking into their local hobby store and seeing two people have a good time doing it yeah and i'm like i'm like seeing people doing that online is like a second best because it's not ever a place you go to that you know with people that you know doing it but it might kick off the idea that some people might go and do that like if you if you watch people play a game in real life it has it's just it's the idea remember in high school you never go to a party that of someone who'd never thrown a party before Right. <laughs> <laughs> you only go to the party at the house of the guy that you know through a sick party the last time you went. It's the same idea, right? Until you see it happen, until you hear about it happening, until you like actually get the idea that like this is gonna be a good party, people don't show up to that party. So mm. there's there's a certain psychology to knowing something's gonna really happen and really be a good time, that kind of like consumer confidence, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um and it, it doesn't <laughs> Kickstarter's a really I think a, uh, I don't think it's a bad thing for the industry. But companies, I think, can lose the the thread of at some point. You have to see people being excited about this in person. You know, like it's it, it has to leave the internet because the yeah. internet, as, as much as I don't, I don't, I don't think the internet's a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination. I think the internet can be very, very convinced of its of its own like sort of like gravitas of the fact that like you know, if it if it's if it's popular on the internet, it must be popular in real life. Well, tabletop games aren't like that. Tabletop games are, aren't, aren't video games, right? If a video game is popular online, then fucking A, it's a AAA title if it's got 7 million downloads and lots of people playing it. But right. tabletop games not the same thing. You can see lots of videos for a tabletop game that's not popular, and it doesn't sell in retail stores. You know what I mean? There can be lots of hype, too, because people can just buy advertising. But hmm. seeing something in real life at a convention with a 500-person tournament, you know, you get a real sense of like, oh, shit, people are buying this. People are playing this. Maybe this is a, this is a community I want to join. Yeah, I mean, I felt like that too when we were at like PAX Unplugged, uh, where it felt like you felt that energy, especially around like Keyforge, for example, was like that was right. like the new hotness where like you know everybody was like, oh man, did you get a deck? Are you playing? Or you guys hear yeah. about that? And I think that like that kind of energy is is definitely it was, it was, it was X Wing. It was when X Wing for retailers couldn't keep it in stock. Yeah, it was crazy. People were begging distributors for it, and distributors couldn't get it. They sold the whole thing. Yeah. I think Fantasy Flight's been chasing X Wing since it came out. You know, trying to try to chase that first that first line of of, of delicious white crystal x <laughs> <laughs> you know like they've been chasing that ever since that's their dragon at this point like it's it's um there's a real lightning in a bottle sometimes and you can actually like you said you can see it happening and right. that was one of those ones where again if you if you if you think about it it really passed all the christmas morning test rules of what's the time between opening the box to having fun 
yeah. X-Wing was like, how long, how fast can you punch out tokens? Because that's really all it was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, X-Wing definitely was one of those things that, like, you know, you the first time you saw it out on the table and you're like, all, you know, the, pa- the pre-painted models and everything's, like, you know, ready to go out of the box, like... You know what was for me? It was, it was, I walked into a store and there was a dude holding a TIE fighter flying it around in that was when I, that was when I knew it was going to sell a million a million copies. Yeah, right. Because there's there's, there's a grown man flying a, flying a little spaceship in front of it. I was like, they nailed it. That's it. Yeah, okay, <laughs> they got something there. That's that's going to sell. Yeah, <clears throat> they had some decent representation at Packs Unplugged. Like a pretty sizable tournament was going on for the second edition. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, it's still doing really well. I mean, it, you never you never get back to that that first initial like no. craze of like holy crap because it's had. It's had a million imitators since then, right? Like you've had Starfleet Attack Wing. There was the weird dragon version of yeah. it, which is like we fly <laughs> yeah. dragons. I still see those Whoa. in discount bins all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know who this was for, but this was a niche of a niche right here. <laughs> I mean, I mean, There's I, somebody I, out there who's super happy though. They're like, I got my dragons. It's, yeah. the, it's yeah. the one guy that owns the laser disc of the Dungeons and Dragons movie. He's yes. like, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be jumping <laughs> Jeremy Iron. I'm gonna fly my dragon. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They made a sequel to that movie too. Never forget oh, that. Oh man. Oh gosh. <laughs> that was. How did they get Jeremy? Well, that's a whole other talk for another time. But yeah. oh because Jeremy Irons doesn't do anything as long as that's... he plays the one character that he plays, which is Jeremy Irons. <laughs> in this movie, yeah, I played plays, Jeremy Irons. And then in Kingdom of Heaven, I also played Jeremy Irons. <laughs> he's just he's he's English. He's English. Uh, Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we've been seeing uh, I, on your on your uh, channel also. You had the the Winter is Here tournament. Uh, there's some great live streams of that. So yeah. does it seem like uh, Song of Ice and Fire is, uh, is picking up in in uh, your region of Canada? Not at all. No, not no, at that all. Was me. That was me. That was me making the effort to get it to pick up. But we're not a great example because um, we we only I think we only recently we only had stock. I think since something like a month and a half, probably it's uh, okay. mid- middle of November. We've had stock, right? So. <laughs> the retailers don't really know what it is yet. And that was actually me getting the stock into somebody's store and being like, well, I'll run an event if you pick up the stock. And so what I did is I just took the, the ticket money from the event and I had him order stock with it. I was oh, like, here, here's, that's here's an interesting way of doing it. Get, yeah. Get, yeah. So, so just reinvest all the ticket money from this into putting stock on your wall. Okay. Um, oh, and that really? way, that way when people see us playing games, they can come in and buy some. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. All right, we'll have to keep that in mind. We're hoping to do some things locally down here in uh, New England, so for sure, um, that's a great way to do it. Well, uh, I mean, it, it's it's it also just shows a uh, if you if you want to basically you're renting the space from the person, right? So right, it shows your willingness to be like, hey man, I'm just doing this. I'm doing this because I like to play more games. Right. But right. <laughs> here's what's in it for you. I'm gonna charge you, you know, fifteen twenty bucks for this, and we're gonna order some pizza, and all the other money is gonna be in you, you know, taking stock and and putting stock on the wall. So you've got some of this when people walk in. Because the yeah. people I bring in here to play this event might come back and buy things from you afterwards. Exactly. You can always, you can always order it, right? Like if your distributor can get it, you can always order it. So, yeah, it was good. It was a lot of fun. There's, um, I mean, uh, I'm also not in the, the heart of like uh, Southern Ontario. I'm in, I'm in the south side, close to Buffalo in the land of vampire ghosts. Um, <laughs> so, so we're, uh, we're, sorry, Buffalo. You, you know, you're, you're <laughs> you know, you're Buffalo. Everybody talks about it like that. My wife is from, uh, Binghamton and, and, uh, nowhere near Buffalo, but upstate New York. And, and even when people there in that region of New York talk about Buffalo, they're like, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vampire ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> so poor um, Buffalo, poor Buffalo. <laughs> poor Buffalo. Even the Canadians are making fun of Buffalo. <laughs> um, so yeah, so so uh it is pretty popular actually. Most of the Toronto stores have some stock and there's another event running in January 
um, that the guy that you saw playing in that Clarence actually is is hosting up in his local store in, in like North York, North of Toronto. So in the city and around there, there's there's some places stocking it. I just did a big um, push to get a retailer listing going for Canada too. So we have a Facebook group um, for the country that's got like a big ongoing. There's like 40 or 50 stores now. I think Canada retailer thread just because again it's it's one of those things like if you don't see it in your local you might think it doesn't exist but there might be a store down the road you don't go to very often that's gotten in stock well it feels like i mean the show the next season of the show the final season of the show is going to be right around the corner and that's got to be like a natural sort of just advertisement for the game right i mean getting people interested in the property yeah i i think i think it's good and bad because the there's some expectations from the show too that don't exist in the game because the game's based on the books Right. Um, but uh, but I think it's I, I think it's definitely a good time for the for the the product to to become five six factions and be like a legitimate you know ongoing monthly release schedule and stuff. It, it yeah. won't hurt for sure. Uh, and I, I know they've already signed up to do I think two more series based on the property. Yeah. It's like it's it's basically HBO's version of The Walking Dead. There's gonna be like seventeen shows soon. Right. It'll be yeah. like, it'll be like, like Law and Order was to NBC, where it's like. How long can Jerry Orbach's career go? Oh, apparently forever. <laughs> <laughs> Until he dies. <laughs> Law and Order Dirty Dancing. <laughs> for it. I was waiting for, for What's-Her-Name to show up and be like, well, yeah. <laughs> get, on, get on you, Dick Wolf. <laughs> so in the games you've got to play, uh, do you feel like you've got a favorite faction that's out so far? Either Lannister, Stark, Boltons, or Night's Watch? Well, I, I, I tend not to build the stuff that my opponents are building. So like, I have a story I'm playing because no one's playing Lannisters right now. Um, I'm enjoying the, the Night's Watch mostly because they have such a limited unit selection and I like a challenge. Yeah. Um, uh, but I'm building the Boltons, which I think I'll probably like equally as much because they have such a limited unit selection that you're just, you're forced almost into like one army list. And it's just more interesting because you have to make do. I like, mm-hmm. I like games where I have to make do as opposed to, you know, trying to make like the best meta power list or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's a fun game because you can you can kind of rinse and repeat and change every game. So you have favorites. I really enjoyed painting the Night's Watch and the 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 Starks as well. And I'm gonna paint the blue in the same color. Seems to kind of have like just the North covered. Um, I know <laughs> nice. someone's excited about the Free Folks, so he'll probably end up building those, and we'll, oh. have, we'll have some oh, more yeah. some more fun exciting stuff happening with that. I'm um, so excited for them. Future. Yeah, they look interesting because I I don't know if fit on the table. Because at four feet, like I, because I think the thing with them is it'd be really easy to run like a an incredibly infantry heavy heavy arm, forty eight inches to fit it in. Yeah, right. every unit's like six inches across, so it's okay. like on those. How uh, do we even do this? Like on the the short range deployment, I'm just gonna make a line of uh, raiders and just walk down as a wall or something. <laughs> well, we we figured out you actually have to deploy sideways if you want to oh. fit a maximum amount. Oh you have to goodness. deploy the unit sideways and then pivot and walk ahead. So there you go, and then leapfrog. There's wow. some space savings right there. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Well, I, so you I figured they'll probably have to come up with some like alternative game modes or deployment zones or side table sizes like by the time they come out. Because I mean we have like the starter set scenarios, but I, I feel like they're gonna have to come out with some new stuff by the time they just accommodate options. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's gonna be I think you'll probably see seasons. There'll probably be a season two sometime in the fall. And they'll change up whatever the because they did that with um, Dark Age for years. Oh, cool. a, new, a new season of um, of MTI, and it would change up the scenarios every year, and you kind of had to. And I think what you'll see in the first this first new season is they're going to drop all the random objectives. It's going to become flatter of a game because okay, right so now that's, that's right what we're now, wondering about. Yeah, well, right right now it feels like um, 
there's a lot of stuff in the block set that just try and make use of all the material they have created, right? So the scenarios mm-hmm. are, are very much about driving. Oh, we got all this material that we made for the box. And it's all, it's all designed to make things feel thematic. It feels like Game of Thrones. So let's make sure we use it in all the scenarios, and we'll use those scenarios for our tournaments because that's what, that's what you do when you first launch a game. Right. But then, but then a year down the road, they're going to be like, okay, cool, we had our fun with these random things. Let's just do some scenarios that are just about scoring and, and have, have a, more, a more symmetrical scoring system as opposed to, you know, you might grab a random objective in Game of Thrones that just, like, just destroys the other side's army. Right. <laughs> or, it's worth, or it's worth two points. I mean, that, Chase and I always end up pulling yeah. that, that one card out just because we're like, it just busts the game sometimes because if you well, take like three points and one of them's worth two, it's like you know. Yeah. You, so, some some armies advantage. some armies can really be at a penalty too. So like, there's one of those random objectives where it's uh, turn off a uh, NCU's <laughs> ability, and it's oh, like, yeah. okay. So now the Night's Watchers can't heal. That's too bad. <laughs> it's like yeah. I can't heal anymore. Okay, so my super elite guys that have like a limited amount of built-in healing, but most of the healing comes from this one guy. Every time I just bring six of them back to life. He just can't do it anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're just like, oh, okay, well, there's there's twenty, there's twelve Lannister guards sitting on there that I'm never gonna move. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, we've been really ex- we've been really exploring this idea of uh, you know ways to make tweaks or you know new additional scenarios to add in. If there was like a, a small change you would make um, or things you would add to make scenario play more interesting, what what would you think that would be? Honestly, at this point, that's when the baby out the water. It would just be cards yeah just have just have flat objective scoring there's that or or like flat objective scoring and then like the the things that make it interesting things like objectives you hold and carry you know what i mean yeah. so like you, when, you, when you grab it and stay there you then pick it up and then that unit sort of drops it the unit that sort of claims it like that kind of stuff yeah where it's not it's just there's a there's fluid there's fluid objectives and they don't necessarily stay in the same place all the time mm-hmm. so anyway we'll yeah. see I, I i honestly don't know i i think that the big problem right now is there's too many cards in those decks that can inherently tilt advantage on certain builds. And mm-hmm. there's, certain, there's even certain scenarios right now that tilt into certain builds. So like a Lannister, uh, you know, shock and awe, uh, morale force just loves Feast of Crows. Like it'll just appear right. you in Feast of Crows because it's like, yeah, go ahead, come kill us. And then we drop more morale things and then Lannister supremacy <laughs> off the table, basically. Because <laughs> they can turn your charges into damage to you. You know, right. when you're minus minus four, or minus five. You're just taking two d six casualties at the end of every combat. So if you can't kill them to a man, then you take two d six. You're you're basically you're effectively at morale zero. So it's just mm-hmm. dice, my di- dice, and then it's the difference is whatever your morale stat casualties. Yeah, that's that's going to be something a little scary. Also, playing like the free folk when they're coming in at like morale of eight plus to begin with, and it's just like whatever. Every time well, you hit somebody, you have to get hit. You roll two d six. That's how many wounds you take. When, when they have <laughs> when they have like ten units though. Yeah, that's gonna true. be a big when they have 10 plus NCUs and there's like 13 activations, yeah. and they're not even activating until the board, like the, the NCU tactics board's full. Like they'll just oh, like, yeah. up, they'll just let you obliterate units so that you're in a position and you're surrounded. And then right, the next they're, just they're, they're, gonna to have, uh, they're gonna have recursion too. They have like full they have a tactics card, they can recur yeah. a unit, just put it back yeah. on the table. Yeah, I honestly think well, and all the tactics cards for the most part proc off of um being engaged in more than one unit. So those three point yeah. units, they don't look good on paper, but everybody's amazing in a rear charge you know what i mean everybody's got sundering too in a rear charge so like you don't need to be good you just need to be more <laughs> and, and the activation economy of just having six or seven more activations than the opponent yeah. people are like yeah but i'll just obliterate those units it's like well sure but but then that it's done right like right. And if you if you're the if you're the, the 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 player that just fills up the tactics board as fast as possible with your ncus 
So that's locked then. There's no waiting for your opponent. He has to activate you every time he makes an activation. Now there's no passing. Right. So it's just, like that just, it's like that Napoleon quote where it's like quantity is a quality all its own. That's not yeah. Stalin. That's Stalin. That's not that's not Napoleon. Was that Stalin? <laughs> no, Stalin, yeah, he's quoted Joe Stalin. Oh my god, so bad. <laughs> like, I tried to sound smart <laughs> for five seconds. It's like, yeah, it's like, <laughs> Okay, it's just the Canadian education system versus America. It's, oh, hey, hey, that's fine. <laughs> We're coming up there. I'll get some free health care if that hurts. Yeah, I know. Oh, <laughs> my wife's oh. Canadian, so if we have to. We are scouts. We always flee. All right, that's cool. We always yeah. flee. Uh, north, north of the wall. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, I know. It, it's interesting because I think, that, I think that those scenarios are a lot of fun and they, they make it feel like Game of Thrones, but I think that when people start playing the game really competitively, the problem with them is that they can influence the... They can influence certain builds to being just a tier higher than everybody else, and it stops being about your how you activate your units and where they're sitting, and more about just what game is happening. You know, if it's a morale game and you're playing uh, Feast of Crows, you could just you could just kill everybody to a man before they even really get to do anything. Um, and then there's the, the half of a lot of armies are designed to, f- to hurt you during your actions. And there's an economy there where if you're spending actions and I'm hurting you at the same time with the Lannisters, then I get to save my actions to other things like go and walk on objectives and sit still and whatever. Yeah. Um, and certain scenarios are like feeding into that right now too. Hmm. Uh, any uh, factions or characters or mechanics you'd like to see explored more in the game? Um, I don't know. The tactics cards are a great way to add new rules, but right now when you look at the core design of the game, there are only certain... There's only so many key rules right now, like Critical Blow, Sundering, um, uh, Vicious. The Vicious. Vicious. Like, there, there's only so many named, named rules. And yeah. I think that, I think that it's a certain amount of armies you need to make some more. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, everything's right. just going to feel like, like, like variations in the same theme. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. There, there won't be a lot to differentiate, you know, uh, cavalry from cavalry. Like, how, how are you going to make the Baratheon cavalry are supposed to be the best cavalry in the game different from Castle Rock or Flayed Men? Right. If right. they have roughly the same stat line and lances. And once you've made a lance rule, everything that has lances from now on has to have that rule. You know what I mean? Like, for consistency's sake. So it's like, how do you. What do you start adding to the game to make it interesting and make it different? Yeah. Hmm. Especially if it's getting better. I think with the, uh, what is it, the uh, Spearwives, they've got Sundering on their ability, but it's only Sundering off a charge. So they basically have, like, crappy Sundering. Um, <laughs> but when you have, like, the Rathians, you can't be like, well, Lances do this, but these guys are better. That's a problem. If they are worse, you could just be like, yeah, we'll scale it down. Yeah, and there's still some things you can have. I, I think Stark Fury is a good example because it's a very unique. It only applies to the Starks. Mm-hmm. And it does, yeah. it does something that, do, that no, it's, a, it's an effect that nobody else really has. There's not a lot of other plus one to hit things that, that cause damage to you, right? Like, it, right. Or, or, and then there's other things like the, um, the wound scaling on the Berserkers where they become more dangerous the fewer than there are. That's an interesting mechanic. I'd, I'd like to see more of that in the new factions where, yes, it's thematic, but also there's a real in-game like, like thing to it. There's a strategy using Berserkers where you don't really want to fight them because they just get worse. Right, right. Like it's right. it's one berserker is actually worse charging you than twelve is, and so that's a <laughs> that's a really it's just an interesting thing where like units become more interesting. I think when they have just something that makes them a little. It's not just well, here's these three special skills. What order do we give these guys in? It's here's one thing that makes them really unique, and then maybe they've got some of these generic sort of like handout abilities that that everyone seems to get. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I do agree. Like when it when when they can tie like a theme to a mechanic, that's usually when it feels the best. Like like yeah. I think the Pyromancers is a good example of that, where you know they have you know no no defense saves, they you know minus tier morale, and that makes sense to like you know a unit that's being set on fire. You know, what yeah, I mean? yeah. They're just they're just a bunch of there's a bunch of like like idiot junior maesters that. <laughs> 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 that are being paid to go throw bottles of napalm, like right, lighting <laughs> themselves on fire. I have fond, fond memories of like the Skaven version of uh, oh gosh, I don't remember what they were called, but poison, 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 globators. Yeah, they, oh, that's it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, my friend used to play Skaven, and I was always like, oh gosh, because they, like, they, they drop it on themselves, then you know, just exactly. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, they were always fun because they were all. I, I think the I, the orcs in the Skaven always in warehouse were interesting because they always behaved like orcs and skaven exactly. and even when you were yeah. losing you didn't really mind because they were just behaving in character you know like <laughs> you're, like if, if, you, if you charge and they just start you know fighting amongst themselves and you're like Duh! but like that's <laughs> yeah, that's okay because that's what they do that's and what you signed up for with them right that's it, yeah. yeah yeah so I, it's funny because i just think I, I think that that's the that will be the challenge they have going forward is how do you make all these factions because you're it's funny as, for a fantasy game You've got a faction that's primarily just a bunch of humans. You know what I mean? Like, there's, right. there isn't, it's just humans in different belief systems, basically, and mm-hmm. from slightly different regions. It's regional humans. It plays, it plays a lot more low fantasy than a lot of fantasy rank and point games do. And so that'll be, that'll be a real challenge for designers to keep it interesting and have it, have it so that there isn't at some point in the future someone's like, yeah, but these are just worse Starks. You know, right. they go, or but these are just worse. Lannisters or whatever, you know, like how do you make the Tyrells being rich different from the Lannisters being rich? How do you make the Baratheons being good at war different from the Starks being good at war? You know, like that's a, I think that's a real, that's a real game design challenge. Got to feel right, but also play fun on the table and be interesting and different. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a that's a really good point because I mean, having like that thematic identity, that's you know, that's that's something that's really important. I mean, that's something that happened, I think, where like X Wing, for example, was starting to run into a little bit of like. You know, they were running out of design space room, and they're just like kind of like uh, you know, it, it started to feel a little bit like you know, other factions the, each other's abilities, and yeah, this is the gold X-wing, this is the blue X-wing, this is right, the but, <laughs> yeah, because well, there's only so many spaceships. Like, you, it's funny because I think Legion's already running into that, where they're like deep mining the script for like the names of some of these Imperial special characters. Because <laughs> if it's not, Dar- it's not Darth Vader. What if it's not Grand Moff Tarkin or Darth Vader? Name me another character in the Empire, like. I don't, or the Emperor. General like, Veers. Yeah, no, Ad, what about Admiral no, Pia? No one knew man. that guy's name. Yeah, that's true. But now he's famous. He's, a, he's amazing now. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, from like a game design, it's really hard to, to find this, this room to create when, you're, when your contract with the thing you're licensing from says you can't make anything new. Because ultimately, when you're, when you're doing a, like a licensed IP, you are barred from doing anything new. So you, well, have, to go through like the, you, you have to go through every shred of like documented stuff from this this IP you've leased and find what you need basically. Well, that's right. where George R. R. Martin's got us covered though, because he he's got some characters. Yeah, right. he's, he's just got a he's, list. We we have we have twenty years. I didn't realize the first one was written in like ninety six. Yeah, and I was like, holy shit! There's like twenty two years of this guy's just mental diarrhea to to mine from. So <laughs> it'll it'll be fine. <laughs> I remember watching the, fir- the first season of the show, and I immediately read every single book. And then I was like, "Oh, that was great! Like, when's the next one coming out?" And then I like looked, and it had come out like five years ago. And I was like, "Oh man!" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, he'll he's guaranteed going to Robert Jordan. He's going to die. He'll die before the books are done. Be well, he's already working on uh, you know the uh, what is it, Fire and Blood? 
We got part That's, one of the Targaryen history, 800 pages. Now we got to wait for part two of that. Part one of who gives a shit the history. <laughs> just finish this. Stop waiting for HBO to finish and just finish. Uh, yeah. He just does. He just wants, I think he just wants to turn, make a left turn on his own version. He's going yeah, to wait till oh, HBO's sure. done. And then it's going to end up that it's actually just a, the whole planet was actually just like a space colony that went through some kind of apocalypse. He'll tie it in some other IP he well, has. No, it'll no, be like a snow tough blow. voyaging. Or all of sequence. all of his all of his other books are sci-fi books. I guarantee this whole thing ends in some kind of weird sci-fi twist. The spaceship lands and the, and the humans get it. I'm like, what happened to you guys? Oh man, <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> That's, he's done it before. <laughs> Go get on get on Reddit and start reading Ice and Fire theories because it's all oh. leads to, it all leads to the aliens touching down and the aliens are human. I, I love those theories, though, when it's like, you know, this really is all about Mance Raider. The whole series, you just didn't realize it. And I was like, oh. We've got yeah. strung together like four different theories, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay. I, I think he just doesn't have any idea what's going to happen. <laughs> I, 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 I get that sense, too, because it felt like, you know, because the, the last two books were, were basically happening concurrently with different sets of characters, and he just kept bringing more and more new people in, and it was yeah. just like, like, the show it, felt like they were just like, you know what? Nobody cares about Doran. Nobody cares about Mance Raider. They were just like just swiping characters left and right out of the picture just to make it cleaner. Yeah. Wow. Well, it they is got, hilarious. They, we we saw him talk down at the Lowe's Theater, in New Jersey, uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, he just kept talking about how it was supposed to be a trilogy because that was the hot thing back in like the eighties, and then and, and now he's yeah, like, he came, uh, he how many space balls too? Yeah, that's what it is. Well, you know, thank you so much for for coming on the podcast. And uh, is there any any things coming up that you want to plug? Uh, any not projects or events? Not really. Just keep feeding my kids Cheerios. Keep watching. They like they like to eat, and I like putting a roof over their heads. So this is all working out splendidly for everybody. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely a big big fan of the show. And, and you know, if you guys are watching the videos, make sure you subscribe to the Patreon, right? Uh, and yeah, uh, you can even just subscribe to the YouTube channel. So there's just watching every video um is is helping feed my kids uh and patreon's all just above and beyond that's just those are the crazy people that just don't want me to stop <laughs> god, and god, god bless them they're the ones that are like don't go back to having a real job <laughs> <laughs> you, you you went to way too much school to be making youtube videos so we're just gonna pay so you can just keep going <laughs> awesome and if uh, you've been listening to the podcast, uh, we are running our Song of Ice and Fire scenario submission. So if you've got a cool idea for a scenario, uh, send it over to onthetablegaming at gmail.com. We'll take a look, and uh, we're going to pick one of the best ones we get, and they'll get a, uh, a promotional uh, Stark Captain and Lannister Assault Veteran, one of those cool shiny ones they were giving away. And uh, you know, we hope you get your miniatures on the table.